1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, uh, one of the things that can be lacking, uh, we uh, talked a little bit this morning about God's foremost attribute is his holiness. Uh, sometimes, though, independent Baptists can be accused, and uh, some of it is rightfully so, of a lack of love. You know, we, we, God is love and God is holy. And uh, in many respects, we know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And one of the things that amazes me about the Apostle Paul is his heart of love for people. Again, he was an evangelist church planner. He went to different places, and God knit his heart with the believers there. And uh, I remember when we went to Ireland, and uh, we were in three different churches, and we knew Brother Hill, our missionary there, um, but we were with him just a short time, but it's like God knit our hearts, and you were like, wow, it's time to leave already. Uh, when I went to Mexico, I was there for about a week, and the Lord uh, knit my heart with the pastor there, and, and uh, at first I had to adjust to all the um, inconveniences that they don't have, right? Um, but I tell you, when it was time to leave, there was part of me that was like, whoa, I kind of like this guy, you know? And... Um, the Apostle Paul was that way. Remember, he was in Thessalonica for a short time. And we don't know, some commentators think that maybe the church there was like, hey, how come you haven't been here to see us in a while? And maybe that his comments are directed to answer that. Regardless, uh, Paul shares his heart with this church, uh, his heart of love and care for them. You remember in Acts 17, he was there for just a few weeks, and they threw him out. And he references that uh, in this section we're going to read. And um, I thought about this. Sometimes as you read passages of Scripture and you think, how do I present this? <laughs> uh, he's just talking to the church of Thessalonica. He's sharing his heart. And I thought about this <clears throat> when it comes to relationships in life. Many people, I've talked to people, and probably you have as well, they, they say, you know, I have very few friends. Or they say, I have very few close friends. Close relationships with people take work. And if the Apostle Paul is addressing the concerns of this church, hey, where are you? Where have you been? He does a really good job communicating through his heart for this church. And so I want to share with you three thoughts. We'll read the scripture in just a minute. Three thoughts from this passage that he communicates to the church. Number one, he shares his passion or his heart for them. Number two, he shares his problem, what was keeping him from seeing them. And number three, he shares his perspective, an incredible perspective that we see as we look at him seeing the big picture with regards to the people of God. And so I want you to follow along as I read uh, chapter 2, verse 17 to 20. And I thought maybe there are some things that God would use in these verses to help us as we seek to have close relationships. God created us for relationships with one another. And uh, again, relationships are work, and we have to work at it, 
But what a joy to have close connections with people, close friends, close friendships with people. So follow along. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. Lord, I ask tonight that you would meet with us as we look at these few verses, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would help us to have your heart of love for others. And Lord, I pray you'd be glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, as I said already, his passion. In verse 17, he clearly communicates his heart for this church. He says this, hey, we were taken from you for a short time. In presence, not in heart. What did he say? Endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. The Apostle Paul, when you look at the letters that he wrote to the different churches, Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, you see Timothy, Philippians, Galatians, you see his love for the people that God allowed him to minister to. As a matter of fact, if you look at Philippians, go back to Philippians chapter number 1, you see his heart for the church at Philippi, and we can look at all of these examples. We're just going to look at two of them. You see his heart for the people that God uh, allowed him to minister to. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 7, he says this, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because, by the way, I thank God, verse 3, upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship from the first day till now. Being confident, it's going to continue to work. Verse 7, it's me for you to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my Grace, For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Remember, Philippians was written from a time of imprisonment. Paul is not in prison saying, hey, woe is me. Here I am trying to preach the gospel and I'm in prison. Pray for me and woe is me. No, he's saying, look, I'm writing this letter to the church at Philippi and I want you to know that I love you, that I long for you. His focus was on others. His heart was for others. He writes in the book of Galatians, you don't need to turn here, chapter 4, um, and, and verse number, uh, 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 let's see here, uh, verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now. You think concerning his love. And he's communicating this same thing to the church at Thessalonica. He cared about people. 
He would have probably stayed longer here had he been able to. The word used here, taken from you, found in verse number 17, has the idea of taken away like a child would be taken away from parents. He's using, obviously, some strong language here. The word with great desire to see you refers to a dominant passion. Hey, uh, it's not just, hey, I'd like to see you from a distance. No, I want to be with you. Let me ask you this question as we think concerning people. <laughs> do you love people or do you find that people get on your nerves? You see, well, both, right? <laughs> a little bit of both. Ministry, somebody say, how's the ministry? Ministry's great if it wasn't for people, right? <laughs> ministry is about people, <laughs> right? And, and the Apostle Paul had a love. It was the love of Christ that constrained him, right? Um, John 13, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another. We think concerning our love. Sometimes it is important for us to ask God. Some people are more people people than other people, right? And sometimes we have to say, Lord, would you give me your love for people, to see people as you see people. Unsaved folks that frustrate us are of their father, the devil. They don't know any better. They're acting out all that they know. And unless somebody helps them to see their need for Christ, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And when we see them from that perspective, it helps us. In John 15, Jesus said this, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Caring for people. I think concerning what Jesus said to Judas when Judas was betraying him. He shows up, got the Romans there, and he's betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Do you remember what term Jesus called him? He called him friend he wasn't acting much like a friend i'm not sure how many of you would like to say hey i got a new friend for you judas <laughs> i mean judas is gone but if you said to me hey i want you to meet my friend judas i'd have to say hold on just a second here right because judas has a negative connotation uh judas betrayed jesus and yet jesus still communicated love for him let me encourage you to think about the aspect. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 13, distribute into the necessity of the saints given to hospitality, communicating and sharing the love of Christ to others. Let me encourage you to be hospitable. Encourage you to say, hey, we're going to love people. We're going to try to have some church people. We don't know these. We're going to try to have communicate and share. Do you know when they're laying in the pine box? It's too late to share with them concerning how much you love them and how much you cared about them. The Apostle Paul was really good in communicating his love for these churches. And uh, I think it helps in developing relationships to let people know that you care. And so let me encourage you 
to do that. That was his passion. But now secondly, he was open about the situation. And uh, the couple thoughts here as we think concerning his open communication, which is he shares his problem. And we see it there in black and white, crystal clear. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So he communicates. Here's the issue. Yes, you sometimes relationships can be hindered by perception. People have the wrong perception. And sometimes we just need to communicate for clarity and help the perception to change to reality. In, in people's minds, perception is reality, but sometimes it's really not. And communication helps. But I want you to think about this thought as we consider what kept Paul from seeing and fellowshipping and ministering to these folks in Thessalonica. The devil did. Satan hindered us. Satan will do everything he can to hinder the work of God. We said a few minutes ago, ministry is people. The word hindered here is a military term. It refers to digging a trench or breaking up the road. The idea is, in a battle, you want to frustrate the progress of the other army by making it difficult for them to get to you. Um, you we know of situations where they blow up a bridge in order to keep the enemy or thwart the enemy or hinder the enemy from coming. Satan is our adversary. Think with me just a few minutes. I was going to have you turn there, but for sake of time, we won't. Think with me just for a few minutes how Satan goes after the people of God. Job, have you considered Job? Satan comes into the presence of God. Do you know as soon as God gives Satan permission, the Bible doesn't say he waits a few days. As soon as he has permission, he goes after Job. He goes after his stuff first, and then God gives him permission to go after him, his own health. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan hath desired to do what? To sift you as wheat. The, the work of the devil is still the same. He does what he can to keep us from ministering to people. He does what he can to keep us from giving the gospel to people. If he can make us busy, if he can get us at odds with individuals, whatever he can do. Hey, not just individuals. Think with me for a minute concerning what he did to the church there in Jerusalem in Acts chapter number 5. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Oh, they came in here and they lied to the Holy Ghost. And immediately that church is faced with that challenge. And by the way, God used it to uh, cause the church to go forward. Uh, when you look at the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, you, you read concerning the church at Smyrna there and the influence of Satan. And those letters talk about the synagogue, right, of the devil. The, the reality is we must be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a warring lion, seeks whom he may devour. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from encouraging somebody else. 
he, he gets Christians at odds. When it comes to hiring somebody, you have a job, you say, well, I've got to hire someone to mow the lawn or to fix the... Is your natural inclination to go to the Christian yellow pages or whatever and hire a Christian? If some people say, ah, not me. I've had bad... It shouldn't be that way. I've had bad experiences. It shouldn't be that way at all. You see, Satan will do what he can. He'll do what he can to try to get disunity in the church. He'll do whatever he can to busy us so much to where we don't have time to tell folks about the Lord. I alluded to that this morning. Sometimes I, I'm going to write on a piece of paper, Stephen, we're going to go visiting. And go like this so the devil can't see it. You know, He hears me tell him, we're going to go visiting today. And it just so happens that sometimes things just happen. I remember, though, and this, this is one of the things that keeps me going. I remember years ago being on staff at a church and a Another assistant and I would go out soul winning on Tuesdays, and staff meeting was on Tuesdays as well. And he got busy, and I got busy, and we only had about 40 minutes. And so we're looking at each other, well, should we go? I mean, time you drive and get there, and should we do it? And we both said, let's just do it. We got in the car. We drove about 10 minutes, maybe a little less. We knocked on the first door. We got invited in. We sat on the couch. We led the person to Christ. We left the house, we got in the car, we drove back, and we were on time for a staff meeting. How about that? That was God. God's the one that orchestrated that. We were, we were debating, should we go or not go? And we both got, well, I'm sure, aren't we glad? Yeah, I'm glad we went. We didn't have a, and the devil will do everything he can to hinder us from ministering. And God wants us to be about the work of the ministry. And so let's remember that. By the way, let's remember that when it comes to differences that we have in in with with other people. Let's remember to go back to the word of God. The Bible says I got to go to my brother. I'm going to go to my brother. I'm not going to gossip around everybody. I'm going to go to my brother. I'm going to try to communicate this thing clearly. And uh, hey, if it doesn't work, we can't get it resolved, then maybe I'll I'll talk to the pastor and we'll see if we can get this thing resolved. Hey, sometimes we have to just say, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. By the way, that's what we're going to have to do tonight in our business meeting. All right, now I'm getting you curious. <laughs> that's what we're going to have to do tonight is say, okay, Lord, love's going to cover a multitude of sins, and we're going to, it's going to be all good, right? But we have to say, hey, ministry's about people. You can't be on an island all by yourself. You heard a story about the guy on the island, you know, and they finally came to rescue him. He had three tents. You know, he said, he said, what are you doing? He said, well, these are my tents. And they said, oh, well, this is the tent I live in. And this is the tent in where I used to go to church, uh, where I go to church. And this is the tent where I used to go to church. You know, he's on the island himself. You'll figure it out. <laughs> but we're not an island. We need people. And Paul clearly says, look, I'm not, not coming of my own accord. The devil is hindering me. By the way, sometimes just a, a small clarification with people goes a long way when they realize, hey, this person's not avoiding me. They just had used a restroom or whatever. All right, that comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know why, but all right. Number one is passion. Number two is problem. And then number three, he has a very interesting spiritual perspective that I think is cool. Look at this verse here, verse number 19. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing. 
are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, for ye are our glory and joy. What does he do? He brings them into focus on living in light of Christ's return. He asks the question concerning hope, joy, and crown of rejoicing. And then he says this, is it not even you? Paul cared so much about these Christians at this church. Can I say it this way? That he wanted them to get to heaven and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Boy, when we think about things in that light, we have a tendency sometimes our flesh wants to get jealous when someone else is blessed maybe in a way different than we are. Do you know when we really care about people, we ought to do our part to help them to be what God wants them to be so that when they get to heaven, they can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We ought to rejoice about the success or the blessing of other people. We ought to be for one another. We ought to be for one. Keep saying amen, Tyler. And I might get fired up here in just a minute. (laughs) We ought to be for the success of other people. You know, we have a tendency so much to go, God didn't do that. Hey, when God answers someone's prayer, we ought to be thankful. When God meets a need in someone's life, we ought to be, when God uses someone to see a person saved, we ought to be thankful. And we ought to do our part to pour into the lives. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. To pour into the lives. Uh, we can liken it this way. When I was an operations manager, they had uh, the manufactured golf cl- uh, clubs and they had a production line. And if someone cut the shaft and they pass it down, they put the grip on, they eventually glue the head on that production line. And we think about it this way. You know, we're all kind of on a production line, right? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And God allows you to be maybe that one that's going to say, hey, I'm praying for you. And maybe God's going to have you as we come down the production line, right? To say, hey, hey, uh, 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 you know, this one said, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, let me tell you something. That song you played was a blessing to me. Uh, Or just to come up and smile and say, you know what? Uh, I'm so glad to see you here. You see, we ought to be. The Apostle Paul saying to this church, look, you're my rejoicing. And hearing, and I'm summarizing really, hearing Jesus say, well done, it's going to bring me joy in heaven. Boy, that's a perspective that often we don't really have. Seeing others and being about others succeeding in life. Let me give you Ten Commandments of Human Relations and we'll be done. I shared these a number of years ago. Number one, speak to people. There's nothing as nice as a word of greeting. Number two, smile at people. It takes 72 muscles to frown and only 14 to smile. There you go. Call people by name. The sweetest music to anyone's ears is the sound of his own name. Number four, be friendly and helpful. If you would have friends, be friendly. Number five, be cordial. Speak and act as if everything you do were a real pleasure. Number six, be genuinely interested in people. 
You can like everyone if you try. Number seven, be generous with praise. Be generous with praise. Number eight, be considerate of the feelings of others. It will be appreciated. Number nine, be thoughtful of the opinion of others. There are three sides of a controversy, yours, the other fellas, and the right one. Number 10, be alert to give service. What counts most in life is what we do for others. And I should put number 11, let's not expect anything in return, right? Agape love gives without expecting anything in return. Let's not be like the guy that uh, angrily jumps out of his car after a collision with another car and says, why don't you people watch what you, where you're driving, he shouted. You're the fourth car I've hit today. <laughs> That's sometimes our perspective, right? May God help us to be about others. song goes like this, others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me live for others and hence to live for thee. Great truth he communicates to this church. Whether, again, they were questioning or wondering, we're not 100% sure. Some commentators think they are. He does a wonderful job communicating his passion, sharing the problem, and then giving a perspective that's way bigger than just here on earth. May God help us to have the right perspective about other people. It is amazing to me the most precious to God is human beings. And it's amazing to me that God allows us to impact and help other human beings. What's the most precious to him? God allows us to make an eternal difference in people's lives. Lord, we love you tonight.